Hello, hello, and welcome to the Borealis Experience. I'm so excited to have Brock with me today. He will share a very like exceptional story. And yeah, I picked him out because he's also very active on Facebook and posts a lot of very like inspirational posts and videos. His latest video here that I watched is about the importance to know your limits and to not burn yourself out. Sometimes when we're very ambitious and very driven, we forget that, yeah, we have a body to take care of. We might have a family. We have loved ones that we have to spend time with or want to spend time with, um, not only for their sake, but for all, our own emotional and mental well-being. So, yeah, I'm very, very happy that Brock made the time for us to be here today. And I would like to invite him to share a little bit of background story of what ignited all these beautiful gratitude um, videos and, and other important messages that you are sharing with us right now uh, so that um, people, yeah, learn about you and, and what is driving you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Um, he said, uh, it's kind of different getting the opportunity to, to speak about it because usually I'm just writing messages back to people that uh, have said something or a comment on, I call them the Tuesday tips and uh, my gratitude Wednesday videos that I'll post out there just on Facebook. But um, the journey started just over a year ago for me. Um, a lot of the messages that I've come up with have only just kind of been in reflection over this last year. I've gone through a, a difficult journey with health. And uh, I was definitely, as you had mentioned, that a lot of people kind of burn the candle at both ends and are working hard to move forward in perhaps their career or whatever it may be that their passions, uh, their passion may be. And I love my work. Um, and I love what I get to do every day for work. But um, it can't be your only thing. And I've uh, come to that realization over time. So uh, if I go back in a little bit and give you a bit of my background, uh, I live here in Lethbridge and um, I grew up in Southern Alberta, went to the university here and to a couple other universities. I apologize if you hear vehicles out front. Uh, I, unfortunately, I'm not in the mountains like you right now, but um, yeah, so I went to university here and then went to university out east at Queen's University and did my master's down in the States at Gonzaga. And uh, I had the opportunity to come back home and teach and uh, then became a principal fairly quickly. Um, at 27, I got my first administrative position as a principal and, uh, and have been doing that since. But I've got the chance to build some other businesses in between there and uh, get the chance to work and uh, I guess you would say coach or mentor people that are going through those similar experiences of building teams up and trying to change school cultures or trying to change business culture. Um, and I've been blessed to be able to do that. And so um, unfortunately last year um, I was having social distancing uh, drinks with some of my buddies uh, my wife was at our cabin in British Columbia with her mom doing some painting. We had just kind of finished up 
building and um, I wasn't feeling well and um, the guys had left uh, for the evening and I had a really bad stomach ache. It's maybe I thought maybe I had food poisoning or something. And uh, so I decided, you know what? I can't sleep. I'm not feeling well. I'm just gonna shower and get ready and go to work and go to work a few hours early. So on my way to the washroom, just was heading over to the bathroom and I passed out. I had a massive, what they call a seizure. Um, and I passed out in the washroom. Um, and uh, when the ladies at work, I have two assistants that uh, take care of me in the school. And, uh, and when I wasn't there, because usually I'm there the first, first one of the day, uh, they knew something was up and they called my emergency contacts out at our light. Thank goodness we don't have cellular coverage. Otherwise, I'd work too much. And um, they sent uh, my emergency contacts, my parents, and uh, one of my aunts over to my house and they found me in the bathroom. So um, I think I'm pretty lucky. Uh, you know, I'm in it either way. You know, I might not have uh, made it into the bathroom, could have been hurt somewhere else. Uh, or another couple of minutes later, I would have been in the shower and I could have drowned. So, you know, you can count your blessings that way and just say, you know, I was fortunate that happened and uh, they were able to get me stable here in Lethbridge. And I got to thank the docs there for that. And then was flown to the ICU unit in Foothills by STARS. And uh, there they got me stabilized and um, they found that I had a couple of brain tumors from there. So, um, uh, because of my seizure, I had to wait quite a while before they could get, take me in for surgery. It was about six weeks because I just wasn't strong enough to go through the surgery and, uh, went through brain surgery and, uh, had two tumors removed, one about the size of an orange, uh, and then the other one about the size of a walnut. So, um, that was a different experience. Um, I had no telltale signs of uh, having cancer beforehand healthy like you said i would admit that i was a workaholic um but i had no issues with uh staying healthy and uh, being able to handle 16 hour days um not just for work but uh doing things for the community fundraising and things like that but um yeah it uh definitely was a surprise to me and my family and uh Ever since, it's been a, a journey of recovery, and I've had the opportunity from there to, uh, like I said, uh, share some tips, I guess you would say, and, and my experience going through this and what I, I've learned and some of the lessons I've learned throughout. So that's, uh, that's the year in a nutshell, and now I'm in a situation where I'm kind of in recovery, but as any cancer patient would know, it's more like you just kind of wait month to month to hear what's going to be coming next. You have an MRI and then you wait a few days and you hear or you sit down in front of Zoom or you meet with your oncology team and they tell you, okay, this is where you are. This is what we see. And uh, so you're doing this for the next month or we're going to see you. I'm hoping in my meeting on August 3rd that they're going to say, you know, we get to push up your MRIs to every three months now, which is hopeful and which means that things are looking good. So that's that's where I hope I'm at at the end of the month here and then beginning of August. So mm. yeah, this is just 
that's kind of a, a basic of what's happened to me over this last year. But um, yeah, like you said, a lot of people ask Brock, how do you stay positive and upbeat about your situation? And uh, I've kind of learned to say, you know, the things that you're not in control of, you don't need to worry about in your life. Um, uh, the things that you can control. Um, the biggest one I've always talked about this with my staff and, and friends and family is, is your attitude. Um, nobody else is in charge of that, but yourself, uh, you, you know, uh, Charles Swindle has a famous quote and it's like, life is 90 per, or 10% what happens to you, 90% on how you react to it. And, uh, you know, that's the truth. Like 10%, there's no way I would have known that I had cancer. That's 10% of what I'm not in control of, but I'm in control of 90% of everything else, how I'm going to react to it. So I'm in charge of what I intake into my body and eating healthy, uh, exercising, keeping a positive mindset, and uh, you know, doing my best to uh, stay as uh, positive as I can be, but also support my family through this experience because you know I'm not the only one going through it. Uh, they are going through it just as much as I am. So mm. um, yeah, that's the basics. Well, some. Friends coming to say hi. Sorry, my, my pup's just walking by. My son is coming up. You want to say hi? Hi. Hello. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See you guys. Yeah. Sorry, they're just out of sleep over on the tramp last night, so they're just coming back with their sleeping bags. So. Oh, that's so adorable. And they went tubing down the river yesterday, so they're pretty excited. Wow. That. Wow. This is um. Yeah, man, thank you so much for, for sharing the whole story with us again. And it must have been such a, an intense like moment to, to know that, okay, shit, I'm, my body is not healthy. My mind is still you know, functioning. I'm, I'm, I'm driven to continue, but all of a sudden you have to take care of your body now. And maybe before the diagnosis, you were taking care of your body you were exercising and and drinking and and sleeping enough but then all of a sudden you've realized okay I have to do more I have to um, be more careful with myself and I can see that a very ambitious person a person with a big heart who's caring for others might feel selfish at times in doing things for yourself and I feel a lot of men are trapped in this caring provider role and then when they do something for themselves they either have their children or their spouse complaining that they want to spend more time with them or their internal beliefs are telling them hey you're being selfish right now and and you can't Uh, spend alone time or you can't go on a hike by yourself um, how was it for you like do you have dedicated self-care time right now or is you know it tough now it, it's definitely more balanced than it was while I was working um, extensively right now I'm off on disability of course and uh, still in a recovery um, but I'll agree with you in that situation. I'd often feel guilty um, if I tried to do anything specifically for myself. Because um, I, I was very much caught up in uh, 
the provider role of doing as much as I can at this kind of what I call the high earning years. Um, for most people during, I am, I'm 40 now, so I'm very busy at this, well, was very busy at that time trying to, what's the expression, make hay while the sun shines, do as much as I can to provide for my family. And uh, I got caught up in that mentality, definitely. Mm. And uh, so my downtime lend up being, I guess, an overlap of social time and work, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I would, uh, you know, say I'm going to have a beer or a drink or a, a sit down or something like that uh, with a friend, but typically it was a business meeting, if that makes sense. And so it was never really any personal downtime. I was never really, you know, just going for a walk by myself or um, I would not say I'm great at meditating. My wife really works on those kinds of things um, and has tried to teach me to do those things more. Uh, but I was quite reflective always. I would journal and reflect mm -hmm. and I would, would always have a gratitude journal with me um, and just write things down. But my mind, mind would never, ever turn off. I was always thinking of what else could I do in order to support my family, take care of my family and do those things. And my wife's been really working with me over this last year on how to, you know, just realize you don't have to always be in that state of mind. Um, we'll be okay. You know what? It doesn't matter um, about, you know, if we have, you know, a big home on the coolies and a cabin in BC and those types of things, just realize that the most important thing is just us, our family and our kids. Mm. And so that's been a, like I said, something that I've had to come to grips with, um, even though she totally understands that I love my job, which I really do. I get a great deal of personal satisfaction from it and also a great deal of satisfaction and seeing the difference that I can make in that role. So, um, yeah, that's a, it, it's a constant um, kind of battle and back and forth, but it uh, has been a, an adjustment, but also just saying, okay, there's my cup. And uh, I can only fit so much in my cup. I have to make sure that the big rocks of my family and my friends and my just work work at school have to fit in there first before I can do any of the other things of, you know, uh, supporting others, building real estate teams or supporting other companies or helping charity organizations. Even though I get satisfaction from those, they just, there's not enough room in the cup, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Oh. Uh, so I just got to make sure that those, those big rocks are taken care of first. Yeah. Yeah. I love that picture. It, it helps a lot of people to, to realize like, where I, am I putting my energy and where am I not putting any energy and maybe wondering why relationships are falling apart, you know, for guys, not in your case, but for guys who are caught in the provider role again and then they come home and they feel like oh they're not really I don't know they don't fit in the, into the family anymore because they are doing their own thing now that you're gone and just focusing on making money it's a it's a very tough balance and and a lot of people like you who have to go through intense like situations have the possibility to to have that reset and to see okay 
I have to change things. And a lot of people who don't go through, through pain keep doing and, and burn themselves out and then face divorce and, ah, but, but both, like, I don't want to say I'd wish cancer on a person, but, but both situations are just as painful. Would you say that this situation brought you closer to your um, spirituality, like closer to yourself again? Yeah, you know what, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, as I go through and I reflect on, you know, kind of the lessons that I've learned, well, some of the lessons I learned first off was that how much stronger my, my family is than I thought they were, how strong my wife is, um, where I always thought that I had to be that rock and I was the person that was trying to carry the family through things. Um, it's probably the exact opposite. She's, she's really the one that uh, is, uh, is the leader in the household and the leader of our family. And uh, where we're trying to learn how to adjust to that now and uh, learn the balance with that, within that. Now, as far as uh, spirituality and, uh, and reflection on those components, I think that there's been a real transition as to what most people define as spirituality, if that makes sense. Um, I think that um, if you do any studying or research of what, if specifically what people would say is religion has been in, in Canada in particular, there's been a very big transition. Um, never has there been a time as long as the research hasn't changed lots in the last well, 10 years, but I'm sure that the trend has only increased. Um, never has there been a time where fewer people have gone to church and never has there been a time that people have wanted or expressed spirituality ever in Canada mm -hmm. in the last 80, well, the last, I think it's 65 years. You'd have to talk to Dr. Bibby at the university. He's the premier sociologist of religion in the country and North America. But uh, that's the basics of his course is just the fact that people are just yearning for, for spirituality, but that doesn't fall within the confines of what is typical religion anymore. It's uh, individualized. That is, that's just the entire trend in, in the world and society today is individualization of everything, you mm -hmm. know, I want something to be specific to me. I'm looking for something that's specific for me. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, when I do mentorship or coaching with people, uh, they experience a lot of difficulty with, with their teams often or their, uh, their organizations because uh, they've transitioned to having employees that are millennials now that are used to things being uh, individualized to them and them feeling that it's a connection to them in particular. Mm -hmm. And that's very different when teams and organizations get large, whether they're, you know, if they're five or six, you can still maintain almost like a family mentality, if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. you can find that connection point. But if you get to a company that becomes, let's say, or an organization that becomes, you know, 80 people or 100 people or even 1500 people, how do you maintain connection and mm -hmm. how do you maintain like you said, that individuality, spirituality, that family on mm -hmm. such a large scale. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, that's an adjustment for everybody. And uh, I've been fortunate to help groups go through that. But for me, it's been the exact opposite. How do you go back to making sure when you go home that there's that connection and making sure that you're on the same page with, uh, with your spouse, with your life partner, um, whoever it may be, and with your children, right? Especially if you're not there with them enough. And, uh, you know, that's been the realization for me over this time is that, you know, time trumps all things and being there with them trumps all things and, and touch and feel does. I'm very much, uh, you know, as the love languages go, I'm definitely somebody that, uh, you know, it is expresses love through touch and emotion that way. Um, I still hold my kids, even if they don't want to be held. Um, I don't care. My son, he, like you said, he'll come give me a hug. He's in middle school now and he has no issue with running over with uh, his buddies around and giving me a hug, which is awesome for me. I still feel great that my junior high boy is not embarrassed at all to give his dad a hug. Um, and you know, my little girl, uh, she's just, you know, just will sit in your lap all day long if she could. Right. So, you know, I love that because it, it speaks to my love language and, um, you know, you got to connect that way, but it's quite awkward in the workplace. If you're going around, you know, uh, it depends on your work situation, but I have zero issues. I, well, COVID was a different experience, but, uh, pre COVID, I would sit there and the buses would show up at school and every kid would come off and give me a hug. And so, you know, my bucket would be full uh, for, for an entire day right then and there with, uh, you know, hundreds of kids getting off the bus, giving you hugs and you get the chance to say goodbye to them, give them high fives and stuff like that throughout the day. So it doesn't get much better than that. Just imagine if we lived in a place where the Walmart greeter, you felt good enough with them that you could give them a hug every time you went into the store. Right. That's what it uh, is like for me when I get to go to work. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty blessed that way, not only with the kids because they're younger, um, but even when I uh, was at high school and at the end of the year, the big guys that I would coach and and teach and I was that I was principal of would go across the stage at grad and pick me up off the ground and big bear hugs in there. You know, these big these big men now that are 18 and uh you know, are bigger than I am. I'm just a skinny rut compared to them. So, um, yeah, it was just, you know, it's, it's always been awesome that way. And, um, it's, it's a different experience with staff too, though, but I, I consider all of them, you know, somebody I truly care for and they they know that. And when this experience took place, they've been there for me. They reached out as much as they could. Uh, they would come and, sit on the front deck like I am right now and we socially distance appropriately and, and be there just to spend time with me. Um, at the start when I would still have seizures, I'm on seizure medication. In fact, it's right here today that I haven't had yet. And uh, then, uh, yeah, just go through and uh, just make sure that I'm doing okay because they were just trying to get my meds kind of regulated at that time. So yeah, they're just, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed in every way. And, I feel fortunate. So Mm, my goodness, that's so precious what you're sharing here with us. Like the first thing that, that I remembered now is that you said you can't control things that are 
out of our control. And, and the second, or there were many messages in between, but what you touched on right now with the love languages is uh, such a big eye opener for, for a lot of men and women out there. And it is so beautiful like to, to listen to you and, and you say, okay, this is your love language. And, and that makes me get to know you on a deeper level as well. And the same thing and even more like intense, it goes when you are in a romantic relationship or when it is among friends um, that you start to, to read your partner or your friend and, and how they understand love, how they receive love and um it's a very powerful tool to have in your tool bag um it is definitely it uh you know what even even as a leader in any role yeah understanding how how your how your staff uh and like you said your friends and family how they like you said what their love language is or how they like to receive gratitude um you know there's some staff that love that coffee in the morning that you picked up for them that's uh that shows that you went out of your way uh to to show your appreciation and your gratitude for them other people just want a, a caring note that that's um kind of to the point of um like the words of affirmation um i saw you working with the kids the other day and you were incredible and uh, it needs to be specific it needs to be heartfelt But uh, when you connect with somebody that way, they know how much they care about you and how much you'll go out of the, their way. You'll, you'll go out of your way to support them. And uh, then they start to take an interest in what your love language is, right? And uh, they perhaps they don't use that terminology, but they learn on how you like to be lifted up or uh, supported mm. and whatever that might be, like you said. So whether that be, you know, just... Uh, quality time, um, which is my wife's love language. I know that. And that's where it was a big struggle when I was a workaholic uh, yeah. because I would work until we got home. I would get home late at night. Kids have already eaten. I would get the chance to, you know, give kids kisses and hugs good night and say good night. And then Steph and I would be usually tired enough to get ready to go to bed or I'd step and do a little bit more work. But um, like you said, I realized, you know, I, in order for this relationship to work, and that's what I realized over this this past year, that uh, I need to make sure that I've carved out that time for us to just go for a walk with the dog and talk. Mm. And that means without the kids. Uh, so there's going to be another walk with the kids yeah. um, so that we're all spending time together as a family. But um, yeah, just learning those things um, and Uh, like I said, those goes that goes along with some of the messages that I try to share on Tuesday tips and gratitude Wednesdays is just you know some of the things you got to realize that you got to you got to do before like I said you get put in a situation like I've been placed and uh, and um, yeah that's the the basics of what I do on those Tuesdays and Wednesdays is just go through messages like that and uh, hopefully. Uh, You can do those things before you're forced to, like I said, or you don't get the opportunity to do them at all. Like it's very easily that I could have just passed away and I left a lot of things undone in mm. my life. So, you know, I just be 
thankful that I get this, like you said, the second chance to do it. So, Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I hear is that with the love languages, you can intensify or better your relationships at work, even like you can be a leader with the heart and, and in learning their language, they will learn your language and the work is going to be even more productive. People are going to go out of their way in order to reach success and, and they're going to feel so deeply appreciated. And it's just a work environment that we should all thrive for. And another thing that I hear here is that you are setting yourself apart from the warriors and you joined the, the kings, the the men who live in the king energy. I read such a beautiful article here uh, the other day about warriors being, you know, the go-getters, the ambitious men and the, the guys who get things done. And the king is the person who at the same time cares so deeply about his queen and about what she needs, the way she receives love and deeply cares about his community and lifts other people up and is not only concerned about his ambition. And and to have that awakening, yeah, to see all of a sudden, oh my God, like my, my wife felt neglected for all these years and was nagging and was, you know, Maybe not your wife, but some women start. No, no, no. There's there's definitely times where we had conversations in which I I, I have to be honest, Aurora, that I was just like, put my head down and be like, you're 100% correct. Uh, I don't know if I vocalized it as much as I should have, but no, I was definitely that person, that situation where I was not given enough time to my family and to my wife. Yeah, yeah. And now uh, that, well, definitely learning that lesson and no going forward that I need to ensure that there's that balance. But I love that analogy, but I really would just put it down to what you have as your definition of a leader. Yeah. Honestly, um, um, I believe in a different, well, like I believe in servant leadership. I believe that a leader is there to serve their, their employees, their family, whoever it may be, their friends. I said, um, if you're not doing your job right as a, as a leader, then your employees can't do their job right. Mm. And I, I believe in that uh, servant mentality that I would never ask anybody on my staff to ever do anything that I wouldn't do first or lead by example. Mm. Um, so I think that that goes back to just, like you said, being there for your people, showing them that you care. And then it becomes reciprocal. And that's way I hope you never go into an environment like, and I've said this in, in Tuesday tips, like life is too short not to love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're going to be spending essentially a third of what you're you, a third of your time working, that's what, you know, the typical environment is with eight hours a day sleeping for eight hours a day at work and maybe a few hours of day with family, um, then you better love what you're doing and you better love being around the people that you're with. If not quit, honestly quit. And I don't say this often, but I've left very successful positions in the past because the people that 
I should be looking up to. I was not inspired by them. In fact, I felt, I, I don't know if I want to say not disgusted, but I felt like they were not the type of person that I aspired to be. And so, you know, if I, if I can't look up to the leadership of the uh, person that is responsible for me, that is my leader, um, then I don't want to be there. Mm. And I'm fortunate here in Lethbridge right now that uh, that uh, my superintendent and who's in charge of the Lethbridge School District, uh, she is a true warrior, as you might put it, and she inspires and she works so hard. She has such a big heart. Uh, she's uh, reached out to me many times to see if I need any support. And uh, and I know it's genuine. And uh, those are the kind of people you want to go work for. And those are the types of environments you want to be in. Mm. And uh, But I've been in other places where, like you said, you might feel appreciated at times, but you also know that that's not genuinely coming from that person. They haven't made an investment in you. Mm. And so, you know what, I always try to go into any of those situations with an investment, knowing that not only, not only am I going to give everything I can to this person, but I know that that's going to come back to me from them as well. Um, I'm going to share a tiny story if I can, because I think it really pertains to it. Um, there's an old teacher and he's a mentor of my wife's actually. Um, he's a teacher out in Tabor and he was a biology teacher at high school. And um, there was a math teacher that was across the hallway and uh, they came up to a, a student and said, why did you do so poorly on your, your math test? The student was quite academic and, and did very well. Why'd you do so bad on your math test on, on Tuesday? Usually you do much, you usually perform much better than this. Well, I also had a biology test on that day and I didn't want to disappoint Mr. Cleland. And so they obviously spent more time studying and preparing for the exam for Mr. Cleland because they had that emotional connection, that relationship with him. And so it goes right back to what you said, like you, you have an environment that's significantly more productive, an environment that is, has reduced sickness, has people that are happy, less stress when there's connection there, but mm -hmm. that needs to be individualized to each person. And the leadership's job is to find what that connection is and to encourage you to create an environment where that will thrive. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't done that job successfully, you're going to have internal strife, stress, you're going to have fighting, you're going to have an unsuccessful company, you're going to have an unsuccessful environment, and you're going to have clients that aren't going to be happy with you. So for me, in my experience, it's going to be parents that are upset, children that are upset, kids that aren't learning, stuff that are dating along, you know, in a school that's in disarray, as opposed to a school that staff care about each other, parents are it's like exceptionally happy that their kids are are going to their school or going to that school and they trust you with their most prized, I, I don't want to say possession, but the things that they love the very most in this world. Mm. That's an honor for somebody to allow you to do that. It's mm. like, man, I can't think of something better in this, like in life than to be trusted enough with us, somebody's child. Mm. Like that's, that's pretty special. 
So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, like I said, I'm lucky to have something that inspires me each day to get up and, and go to work. Um, I always joke my, my brother-in-law, he's in oil and gas, but his, both his parents were teachers. And he always says, why is it that teachers always say I'm going to school, but I'm not going to work where he goes, when I say I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to work. Teachers say I'm going to school. You know what? For most of us, we absolutely love what we do. Mm. Um, and I hope that's the case for anybody in whatever they do and that they're proud of what they do, that they stand up and have a voice and say, you know what? Hey, I'm proud of what I do every day and I make a difference. Mm. And uh, so, you know, that's, that's why I think some people become a workaholic too, because they love what they do and they put those other things on the back burner and they still need to be able to love themselves yeah. as much as they love the kids that they're making a difference for. So, yeah. Oh man, this was such a nice little story that you shared here at the end. And, and I, I can see already how everybody will understand your message that yeah, heart driven, not ego driven is the future. And um, this is how we can build very strong families and communities and strong, thriving businesses. And I'm so endlessly grateful for you to making the time today and sharing your light yeah, and your wisdom. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to share this episode around with, with everybody um, will be feeling touched at the heart. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. All the best. And uh, can't wait to see it. All the best. Bye-bye.